My name is Nate. My name is Mike. And what the hell was that? What the hell was that is the name of our podcast that we like to host, watching movies, giving reviews, doing plot recaps. All of that stuff. After we watch a movie, we sit down and we just rip it to shreds. Uh, or if it's a good movie, we might compliment it and talk about the things that we enjoyed most about it. But honestly, it, it is much more fun to rip things to shreds. So you'll hear a lot of that in our program. And unfortunately, we don't watch many good movies. Well, we choose not to watch any good movies. And sometimes they actually surprise us with their quality of uh, badness, I guess is a way to say it. Yeah, you could say some of it comes to bite us in the ass because we get to waste hours of our lives on terrible movies for the entertainment of people on the internet. And not only our lives, but the lives of our friends and your cats, who we enjoy having on the show and all of their colorful escapades along with us. What characters? And potentially you, if you listen to our podcast, available wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube. your old pal Billy Dean Shoemate the third here and welcome back to another episode of strange places yes it's been a week already isn't that crazy man it's just flying by isn't it man okay so <laughs> this one's gonna be really really interesting in my opinion it's a bit of a rabbit hole so let's uh let's just dive in with both feet this one's amazing in my study for this I hit a few brick walls I really really had to really had to do my homework on this one to develop any kind of verdict or opinion. This is one of the few where I've had to do all the research. I saved nothing for the show because this one is really involved and very, very strange. This one, we're going to travel to Chicago, Illinois, and Minnesota. I'm going to flip-flop between the two. Got to hop in our DeLoreans again. 1968, The Iceman or the Minnesota Iceman, as it is known within the circles of cryptozoology, is described as a man-like creature that has ape-like features, frozen in a block of ice. <laughs> if you're thinking of Encino Man, I kind of did too, but let's carry on. It was approximately six feet tall and apparently had a traumatic injury to the left side of its face. This one's very bizarre. And I originally wasn't going to do an episode on this one just because, oh man, the amount of research was just unreal. But the more that I unpackaged it, the more I found myself kind of obsessed with it. And it became, I know, a podcast episode, but in a way, kind of a passion project. I really wanted to get to the bottom of this thing. And uh, its history is pretty bizarre. From 1907 to uh, sorry, 97. <laughs> From 1967 to 1968, a bizarre creature named the Iceman was shown at the Chicago Stock Fair and several other little carnivals and state fairs in the Midwest. It was six feet tall, approximately, covered with hair, had both man and ape-like features, and was frozen in a block of ice. Thousands came to see the creature, but nobody could figure out what it was. Several people who had seen the creature are certain that it was an actual deceased primitive human. Zookeeper Bob Serpleski, I always, oh, I got that right. Wow. <laughs> I might mess it up later, so bear with me. Saw the creature when he was 18. He knew that it was not made out of latex or rubber. 
He was certain that it was not man-made. Environmentalist David Rivard, he viewed the exhibit in 1968. He and other onlookers could tell that it was not a wax animal or some kind of machine or prop. He believed that it was a formerly living thing. Keep in mind, this is an environmentalist, right? Dr. Terry Cullen, he's a zoological and veterinary researcher. He first saw the creature when he was 17 years old. He noticed that the creature appeared to be a six-foot-tall adolescent male. It was covered with medium-length hair and had highly visible hair follicles. He also noticed a traumatic injury to the left side of its face. He stated that there was a notable odor coming from it as well. He was certain that this thing was flesh and blood. Terry, he visited the creature several times and became convinced of its uh, authenticity. On one visit, he sneaked in a magnifying glass to get a better look at it. Now, with the help of said magnifying glass, he was able to tell that there was a death grimace on its face. He also noticed that the upper lip was pulled back a little bit. He also observed all four incisors, which were really big, squarish, similar to that of an orangutan. Terry felt that the creature was important enough to bring in scientific personnel to view the thing, hoping to establish that it was either some unknown creature or a fake, right? Over the next few weeks, he tried to entice several scientific experts to view the creature. Eventually, he convinced an anthropologist from the University of Minnesota to view it. The anthropologist spent about 15 minutes observing the creature before leaving. He was visibly shocked and amazed by the creature. But he wouldn't say a word to Terry. Terry kept bugging him. I've seen interviews with this guy. He's saying, okay, what do you think about it, man? Give me something. Give me something. And he said this guy was visibly shaken. He was as white as a sheet, wouldn't say a word, and just took off. Now, a man named Frank Hansen got possession of the Iceman in 1967. He showed it briefly to a lot of scientists and fairgoers alike. When the creature became national news in the summer of 1969, guess who else got involved? Ah, you wouldn't think, <laughs> you would never guess, not in a million years, was something like this. The FBI. Yeah. They believed, after hearing about this, and... <laughs> what's crazy is there were photos taken of this thing and I'll get to the photos in a minute but after the FBI saw photos of this thing they were convinced that this sideshow attraction was a murder victim an officer met with Frank and he agreed to show him the creature the officer told him that, that now this is what's crazy an officer met with the guy who ran the roadside attraction you know that that dude he reluctantly, but eventually agreed to show the police the creature. The officer told him he would be back the next day with a pathologist to examine it on behest of the FBI. That night, however, Frank took off. He left town with the creature. A few months later, Frank turned up, showing off a replica of the Iceman, an obvious replica at several fairs throughout the Midwest. The real Iceman had not been seen since 1969. Frank refuses to talk about the creature from flat out from that day on, refused to talk about this thing or where it came from, or even acknowledge that what was in there was a very obvious fake. 
Now, in 1967, Frank Hansen was traveling the state fair circuit, exhibiting an antique mechanical contraption that he billed as the first gas-powered tractor. You know how it goes. (laughs) At one stop, he was allegedly approached by a mysterious, soft-spoken stranger. The man gave him his business card and told, told him that he had an exhibit that he may be interested in. Now, Frank later met the stranger at a refrigerated warehouse in an unknown location. He showed Frank the Iceman, which was stored in a box in the warehouse. Frank agreed to take the creature on the road and build it as an educational exhibit. That's how we acquired this thing. Pretty freaky. Pretty strange, yeah? The soft-spoken guy just comes up to him one day, says, Hey, you run this bizarre roadside attraction, basically glorified snake oil salesman, right? And I want to show you something. Takes him into the chilled warehouse, and Frank buys it. After seeing it once... The stranger told Frank that he found the Iceman in Minnesota. However, Frank has since changed his story several times. In another version, he claimed that the man uh, found the creature in Siberia. Now, the one that took the photos, I'll, I'll, like I said, I'll get to that, because that's that's really where things get weird. <laughs> Terry Cullen, convinced cryptozoological, why can't I say that? Terry Cullen convinced cryptozoological, zoological, is that how you say it? Scientists Ivan Sanderson and Dr. Bernard H., not going to pronounce that, to examine the creature. Now, in December 1968, they visited Frank's barn in southeastern Minnesota. They examined it several times and concluded that the Iceman was genuine with severe head injuries to the side of the face. They believed that it was a prehistoric relative of man proto-human that survived into the 20th century, more or less. In a sense, right? In May of 1969, they published their findings in a tabloid magazine magazine for science buffs. Pathologist John Napier was asked by Sanderson to help examine the creature. He and the Smithsonian, yeah, that Smithsonian, also investigated Frank and learned that he had commissioned the creation of the creature from a West Coast company in 1967. But even that's going to look a little saucy later. He concluded that there was no original creature and that the latex rubber replica was the only one that existed. Now, remember the Smithsonian stuff, okay? (laughs) We'll get back to that. This is crazy already, but it's going to get a little thicker. (laughs) Now, this is obviously completely unsolved to this day. Sanderson and H. both thought that the carcass would have been that of a surviving Neanderthal or other prehistoric hominid. However, most scientists are convinced that the Iceman was a hoax. Now, in 2013, told you it was going to get weirder, listen to this, the carcass allegedly resurfaced. It was auctioned on eBay, of all places, and purchased by the owner of the Museum of the Weird. The new owner claimed to have purchased it from a man who purchased it from Frank Hansen's family after his death, in 2003. However, it is suspected that the carcass that resurfaced is actually a replica and not the original. We do have photographs of the original Iceman as well as the photographs of the one sold on eBay. Gotta have a photograph to sell it on eBay, right? Now, we have photographs of both. It is unclear as to exactly who took the photos. Let me check my notes here. I want to see something. Okay. So it looks like the photos were taken by Terry Cullen. Remember, he was 17 when he first saw it? He was the first one to really examine this thing. He wasn't the guy that went in with a magnifying glass. He was the one that tried to convince 
you know, <laughs> the anthropologist, right, from the University of Minnesota to view it. So, 17-year-old Terry Cullen had snuck in there so many times and paid his fare so many times that Frank was kind of starting to get irritated with this young kid coming in and out so much that he was uh, watched very closely. Not close enough, I would imagine. He took a couple of photos of the Iceman. One, honestly, is kind of a poorly lighted, grainy mess. The other, I kind of want to put as the thumbnail (laughs) of this episode so you can see it. But most people listen to podcasts on really small screens. I'm debating it. But it is still something to look at. Like I said, on Strange Places, we take pieces of evidence for what they are. No preconceived things, no prejudices. We take the evidence as we have it, and we examine it with some common sense. Something that is sorely lacking in the field of the paranormal these days. Just looking at this picture, this looks like a dead thing. A humanoid creature. This looks like a dead creature with glass in front of it. It does. I can see teeth. I can see one of the eyes is bulged out of the sockets. It's milky white. If you've ever seen a cadaver who hasn't been preserved for funeral yet, unfortunately I have. The eyes look exactly the same way. There's this weird milky white. It looks fleshy. It doesn't look latex. It doesn't look plastic. It On, on first glance, I'll say that, on first glance, the photo of this thing is pretty insane. It's pretty remarkable looking. Uh, it's really, it's difficult to make heads or tails of. On first glance, man, it looks like a dead guy. And I gotta tell you, the more I look at it, the more it looks like a fucking dead guy. Now, this is really weird. We, we got to unpack a lot here. So the Smithsonian, let's look at that. They concluded there was only ever one Iceman latex model. They theorized. <laughs> You're gonna love this. Okay. When they examined the Iceman, what you're not going to find out in a lot of the uh, canned research that you see on various shows and podcasts and stuff like that, dive. I'm talking deep dive. You're going to find out that the Smithsonian was very interested in this thing. They sent people to come look at it. They wanted to see this thing. They apparently viewed it two, three times. They came, saw it, came, saw it, came, saw it. But... The primatologist, John Napier, he concluded that there was no original creature, that this rubber replica was the only thing that existed. But the Smithsonian, (laughs) if you do your research, they were looking at this thing way before the FBI had intervened. This was happening before all this. The Smithsonian was interested. And then all of a sudden, they conclude... That there, and I quote, this is on their report. There was only ever one Iceman latex model, and we theorized it was repositioned and refrozen in between appearances. What? Yeah. Apparently, the replica that this guy was showing off, it was in a slightly different position. And the Smithsonian was saying, oh, there's only one model. And what he did was he just, you know, he he thought it out and then changed the position a little bit, probably, you know, as he was moving it and then refroze it. Tell me how much that sense that makes in any context. So the Smithsonian is interested in this thing one day that can be proven and not interested the next. And then they give out this explanation. I quoted that. 
We conclude there was only ever one Iceman latex model, and we theorize this was repositioned and refrozen between appearances. If that isn't the most vague freaking thing I've ever heard, you know what they should have written? What this looks like to me. In order to avoid complete embarrassment by this institution, we refuse to buy the Iceman. That's what it sounds like to me. My verdict. Ooh. I'm starting to develop one here. In 2013, the Iceman was bought, right? It's now at the Museum of the Weird in Austin, Texas. People say this thing is not the original. All photos on the website that this, you know, this guy owns a Museum of the Weird, go on the website. All the photos are broken links. This guy, this is one of his selling points. He touts the photos of this thing and he says, oh, this is real. I got photos to prove it. I got photos, 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 photos. If you're so proud of these photos, why is every photograph on your website a broken link? And then if you're going to view the thing at the Museum of the Weird, you're not allowed to take a camera. Hmm. Okay. That's kind of odd, isn't it? All I know is that everybody who ever looked at this thing, including the environmentalists and other professionals in their fields, said that this was the real deal. The cops thought it was the real deal because they, <laughs> the FBI sent them there. The FBI thought this thing was a cadaver. They never looked at it. That's why they sent the cop there. But everybody, everybody coming out of that place, and we're talking about people who are in this line of work or who are studying to be in this line of work. We're talking about environmentalists, okay? We're talking about veterinary researchers. These are professionals are on their way to be professionals at the time. People who, if even if they weren't trained in what they were looking at, remembered pretty damn well what they were looking at. Now, yeah, and if you were talking to Neil deGrasse Tyson, and he's right for the most part, memory is a very fickle thing. So many things can alter this little mushy thing floating around in our heads, right? <laughs> Why would you trust the um, <laughs> memory? of anything that can have its inner working skewed by the most tiniest bits of stimuli. But let me tell you this here, Neil. When you see a dead, frozen body in a box, I don't know if your memory is ever going to really skew that. You know what I mean? Some of these people were traumatized coming out of there, and every one of them, people trained, untrained, said this thing is a real living dead thing. You've all been to these roadside attractions. This is 1968, okay? This wasn't 1890, you know? <laughs> this guy wasn't selling brain tonic here. I know I mentioned him as like a snake oil salesman, but that was the only thing I'm intelligent enough to, you know, use as a comparison. This is 1968 here, right? <laughs> we had already invented the computer, you know what I mean? We <laughs> you know what I mean? We had things buzzing about in the sky, right? Huh? We were one year away from landing on the fucking moon. This isn't the 1800s. People are not going to walk into this roadside exhibit. And all of them unanimously come out and say, man, that thing is real. You know what I mean? You could say if this was back in the 1700s, 1800s, whatever, you could maybe say that these people were skewed by something they didn't scientifically understand. This is modern era here. We're talking 1968. I know it was a long time ago, but damn. This is crazy. The Smithsonian. 
They almost bought the thing, right? The FBI sent a cop there. That means something because they're hearing stuff. And they got two people who are going to school to be professionals in this field, one who already was, walking away shaken. We don't know. Now listen to this. This is the crazy part, all right? We don't know what the anthropologist did. He was already University of Minnesota anthropologist. Papers in hand. Educated. We don't know where he went after he walked away completely shaken, right? We don't know where he went. Who he reported to. Who he told. Now, when I speculate, I'll let you know. Okay? I'll forewarn you. He could have told the FBI... You know what I mean? He could have told the police. He could have told somebody. How did this get to the FBI? Were they just hearing stories that people were walking out traumatized? That this guy was making way too much money (laughs) for just some roadside attraction guy. That something was going on. That means something. That's a big piece of evidence in the pro for me if the FBI is investigating this thing. And not just that. The Smithsonian Institute almost bought the damn thing and then came up with this ridiculous explanation as to not look, in my opinion, like Ripley's Museum, you know, and tank their reputation. The replica that was bought and sold on eBay is the reproduction. I'm convinced. Not the original. The guy left before it could be examined by the police pathologist, right? Frank's gone. So I see no reason. Honestly, I see no reason to debunk it. I think this... If you want my verdict, I think this thing is the real deal. But I hear me out. I see no reason for further study either because it looks like all the studying has already been done per, by professionals, right? We have people that are professionals in this field walking away shaken. We have people that are going back and forth, keep looking at this thing, keep looking at this thing, Right? And then even this guy, 17 years old, he's not a, you know, he's not an anthropologist yet. He's not, you know, <laughs> zoological veterinary researcher. That's what he is by trade. He was only 17 when he saw this thing. So granted, he's not a zoological and veterinary researcher, but I tell you two things. Number one, he was interested in becoming one. And number two, I bet you a million bucks as he did not, he never forgot that shit. He never forgot what he saw. Plus he had been there so many times that he was about ready to get barred from the place. <laughs> You know what I mean? He had seen more than his share of it. And his reports on this thing are so detailed. It almost reads like an autopsy. It's crazy. If you ask me, I think there was really a dead human being in there. I don't need further study because it looks like all the people who are professionals have done that for us, right? It makes sense. I'm not going to consider this debunked at all. There's no way to debunk it. The Smithsonian was interested in this thing one day and the next day they're not. The FBI wanted to investigate it. That speaks volumes to me. Why would the FBI waste their time? Isn't that, that, that's just crazy. And then this thing disappears and reappears somewhere else. This guy took it in the middle of the night, reappeared somewhere else. Number one, why didn't the FBI follow up on their investigation? That bugs me. Why didn't he get hauled off and arrested for doing that, you know, for pulling that shit? You know what I mean? Why did the FBI just all of a sudden back off? That's weird. And that's something that we'll never prove. The only way you're going to know that is if you have access to those files. So if you work in the FBI, let me know. 
<laughs> bizarre. Truly, truly bizarre. And then you have this roadside attraction popping up again. And people walking out saying, oh, well, pretty good. It was a prop, but not bad. They weren't saying that the first time. And now the Smithsonian is saying, oh, we smell something fishy here because I think it was refrozen, put in a different position, and then moved on purpose. What? Even in that context, what the Smithsonian said doesn't make any damn sense. I think it's reasonable to say beyond the shadow of a doubt that there was a, a living thing in there that had been killed and was in that block of ice, in that trunk, in that chest, or whatever he had it hooked up to. This contained a previously living being. Was it human? Was it Neanderthal? Was it hominid? Was it proto-human? That's the part of it we cannot prove. We know for a fact, and we can prove this, that the one sold on eBay is a fake. It looks plastic. It looks like shit. It looks like latex. It looks stupid. And... I've really looked at the photos of this thing. I think this guy really shot himself in the foot when he tried to sell it on eBay. It, quote-unquote, on eBay, because it's in a slightly different position. If you look at the photo, the original, look at the photos of this guy. In particular, the one that's on the, th I've decided, I'm putting it as the thumbnail. Look at the thumbnail picture. If you look at the eBay picture, you see on the thumbnail here that the teeth are exposed, the lip is slightly down, you know, you see the glassy orb of an eye that's almost looked like it was knocked out of the socket. You don't see that in the eBay picture. And on top of that, you look at it for one second. I'm telling you, no preconceived notions, no prejudices, nothing. I looked at that picture and I thought, oh, come on, that's terrible. I look at this thing, the photo of the Iceman's face taken before old boy took off and then started the speculation if he switched it or hit it or did something with it. Those two photos don't match. What we have on eBay is a forgery. And I think, I know, this photograph that we have as the thumbnail, the original photo of the Iceman's face, proves it because they do not match. And I think we can say that what was in that block of ice was a living thing that was dead and had been preserved. Is it Neanderthal? Is it proto-human? Unfortunately, we is it the missing link? Is it Bigfoot? We cannot prove that, unfortunately. But what we can prove, man, is that the Iceman is a real, was a real living thing that suffered a tremendous head trauma of some kind and was purposely frozen. We don't know how Frank acquired it. We don't know if this soft-spoken gentleman with a clandestine, you know, warehouse and a pointy hat and stuff, you know, we don't know if that transaction occurred. But just look at this. For all intents and purposes, we can look at this photo because this was taken of the original, the OG Iceman back in the day, right? Not the best photo in the world, but we got one. So we can take a gander at the original Iceman, Okay. This is where I'm coming from. I've, like I said, unfortunately, seen bodies in various states of decay. And that's the first thing that my brain went to. I try to empty my head of all preconceived anything. You know, I don't want to believe this so hard, you know. <clears throat> Some of them I really do want to believe, but you've seen on this show. I have no problem debunking stuff. I looked at this thing, and I just could not get my head around it. This looks like a dead person. And then I look at the eBay thing. 
<laughs> right? The one that was supposedly the one that Frank used after he, re- you know, did whatever he did with the original Iceman, supposedly, and came and went back on the road. That thing looks so damn fake. It's obvious. It's obviously fake. And the other photograph of the Iceman, the one that's not too great, you know, you can see that it is frozen. It's got this kind of icy sheen over the body. The one sold on eBay doesn't have that. It just, my mind immediately went to fake. So we're dealing with one of two things here. Okay? One of two. That this really is some kind of a proto-human that somehow was preserved, let's say, during the last Ice Age or whatever. It was immaculately preserved. And we're dealing with an ancient, pre-ancient human being. Maybe not even a human being at all, right? One of our previous ancestors. One of our cousins, right? Or, considering that everybody who looked at this thing said it was real in a professional capacity, and everybody who went to this attraction said, man, this thing is a real deal. And then afterwards, people are coming out saying, eh, it was okay. Half and half, right? Some people were saying, whoa. Some people, That's not how it went with the original. People were traumatized looking at this thing. So we can surmise. I can say, without batting an eye, there's a dead thing in that ice. But it's either one of two things. It's either the proto-human or it's a murder victim. Now, I'm not going to pin anything on anybody, especially Frank, who has... You know, since passed away, I refuse to speak ill of the dead. So I'm not going to blame him for any possible nefarious activities or whatever. But it kind of makes you think, doesn't it? Let's just examine. I know this is conjecture here. I know we're getting into the realm of what if. But what if you had a legit dead body, which you're not supposed to have, (laughs) proto-human or not, and the FBI comes sniffing around? What are you going to do? Exactly what this guy did. Right? If it was a proto-human, I'd probably let the FBI... Honestly, if it was a proto-human for real, I would let the FBI examine it. But if this is this guy's bread and butter, you know, who knows what a person is going to do when they're in that panic mode, right? When they're in that, oh my God, I'm going to lose my entire fucking life here. If the FBI, What if the FBI, you know, examines this thing, says, oh, this should be in a museum, and then my whole way of life is just gone. Where the hell are you going to find something else like this? I think his story about how he found the Iceman is bullshit. That's um, pretty shady in of itself. I suspect that this may not be a proto-human at all, that this may be some kind of a murder victim. And he passed it off as this to make money. Did Frank know about it? I don't know. But when you're faced with that and the FBI was sniffing around, you'd probably leave too. If this was your only source of income, right? They're going to steal it. They're going to take it to a museum. Or they're going to find out. That what, you know, you got to think about this too. What if you truly believe that this thing was a proto-human and you were told that this thing was a Neanderthal, but then the FBI comes sniffing around and you find out, oh my God, what if some guy sold me a dead fucking body? What if Jimmy Hoffa's in here or something? Man, they're going to fucking blame me for this. And you hightail it. See what I mean? It can go either way. But I'm going to, I can't debunk it. I can't say merits further study. There's a dead thing in that ice. I'm telling you. But... I mean, that's the thing. To prove the Iceman, we don't have to say if it's Neanderthal or this or that. The question is, is there a dead body in that ice? Yes, there is. I am convinced of that. The real mystery is if it is a proto-human, Neanderthal, some kind of hominid. We'll leave that. 
for the other podcasts. <laughs> but for now, I'm considering this one 100% completely true. So what do you think? Did I leave out some crucial detail that'll blow this whole thing wide open? Did I miss something? Let me know. You can message me on whatever you're listening to this on. If there's a way to send me messages. Go ahead and do it. Yeah, this is an inter interesting one. And make sure to go on Asylum817.com. That's Asylum817.com for all things Strange Places related. Also, our social media links are on there, everything. Even our Patreon account where you can get early access to shows, bonus things, giveaway at certain tiers, all kinds of stuff. Little as a dollar a month, man. Check us check us out. Shout out to the patrons, by the way. The Kunkel Homestead YouTube channel, Donald Haynes, David Peterson. This show would not exist without you guys. I truly appreciate you. Thank you to this episode's sponsor. I appreciate you as well. And thank you for listening. Now, are we ever going to run out of strange places to talk about? I don't think so. Because every town has a strange place, and maybe one day, we'll visit yours. This episode is brought to you by Review That Review, a comedy podcast dedicated to reviewing pedestrian online reviews. What Cisco and Ebert did for cinematic masterpieces, Chelsea and Trey do those for hilarious, scathing, and sometimes suspicious reviews, littering Yelp, TripAdvisor, Amazon, and The Knot. Rather than making fun of internet Karens, they, the review queens, dissect and inspect each review and ultimately rate it on a scale of zero to five crowns, because, you know, they're the review queens, based on a detailed roster including spelling and grammar, commonality of the experience, trustworthiness, and more. The show maintains a voice mailbox to take listeners' complaints, royal highness inductees, and reviews listeners have found themselves. In a world of conflicting reviews, they tell you which you can trust. So check them out. Review that review at reviewthatreview.com. Follow that podcast.com slash the review queens, as well as Apple Podcasts and Spotify. All links will be in the description of whatever you're listening to this show on. Thanks, Review That Review, for being sponsors of Asylum 817 Productions. Now, on to the show, kids. <laughs>